Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Central banks are increasingly taking actions that may cause harm that in order to mitigate the negative impact from central banks, it becomes necessary to authorize the circulation of a digital currency with a supply that cannot be controlled by any central bank and is only altered in accord with the objective and comfortable criteria. They can come after me, they can come after any individual, I'll die on this hill, but they can't stop this idea and all the individuals, everyone in this room is gonna fight for what's right. Gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of Thriller Bitcoin. That's right, we're in episode two. And today we're talking about Tesla's cobalt child mining camps. And you're probably wondering, Car, what the fuck are you doing? Right? You're probably like saying, Car, what the fuck does this have to do with Bitcoin? And you're right. I get it. You're right. But ESG, and I know you're fucking tired of hearing that fucking three initial abbreviation. <laughs> it's becoming the way of this new world that we're living now. If you don't know what it stands for, it stands for environmental, social, and governance. Investors are out there and they're applying these non-financial factors as a part of their analysis when they're trying to identify <laughs> what they're calling material risks and, and potential growth opportunities. And so they're, they're looking at these, these non-financial metrics and, and they're applying these to, re, to reports. And this is how they're making disclosures for their annual reports and, and, and their sustainability reports and numerous institutions and all types of boards and, 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 and global reporting initiatives and the BIS and the World Economic Forum, all those motherfuckers are controlling the spigot to the money supply. And they're saying, if you're not hitting net zero emissions, if you're, if you're not promoting social and economic governance, if you're not doing right by all these different processes that we're trying to facilitate, then guess what? <laughs> You're not getting anything. You're not getting anything. So what happens? Exactly. Absolutely zero. You're not getting any money. You're not getting any financial capital. You're not getting any type of incorporation of these factors. And that's why it's important. That's why we have to talk about this. Because... You have motherfuckers like Elon Musk and Tesla not following these guidelines, but continue to receive money from this spigot because they say 
that they are trying to change the world for the better through renewable energy. Are you fucking kidding me? Did I just wake up yesterday? Who the fuck are you trying to kid here? And that's why we're talking about Tesla's cobalt child mining camps today on Thriller Bitcoin. Because it's imperative that we grapple with this reality that this is going on for motherfuckers like Elon Musk, piece of shit corporations like Tesla actually have to do something about their demons that they hide away in their closet and hope that nobody looks at. Because God forbid we do and we find out what type of skeletons they're hiding. Well, today we're shining a light on those motherfuckers and we're talking about it. And I'm not going to lie. This was a difficult subject to talk about, right? Who the fuck do I think I am to make a difference in the life of anyone in the Democratic Republic of the Congo? Especially as I sit here in the comfort of my downtown apartment in Austin, Texas, right? I'm left with the feeling that I'm just as much to blame for this as anybody else, as anybody else. The more I tried to grapple with this reality, the more I became paralyzed by it. It took me fucking days, ladies and gentlemen, to even write a sentence. Like, where the fuck do I start? What would be my excuse? It was then that I realized I need to fucking own it. I needed to answer for my mistakes. I need to try to make things better. It is the world that is a fucked up place. Hell yeah, it's fucked up. But the truth is some of us are here to make changes or at the very least make some goddamn noise and demand some goddamn change. I definitely know my place in our future, but does Elon fucking must know? This is a question that I have thought about over and over throughout this entire journey while I put this together. Let's start. Let's start by trying to understand what it's like for us Westerners to understand these perceptions that the DRC, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, actually think about us. Do they even want our help? Like, what is it for us to even go over there and want to help them? Like, are we just fucking everything up for them? Like, what do they think? Let's do this. Je suis 
I'm always honest. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but we have a clear question. Yeah, at Yule, talking about whether I should make the film or not, you said. I should go home. And I was really <laughs> shocked. Why? Why did you? Why? It's not that I hate you, but it's you have to know the truth. And I'm not saying nobody should come and do anything about this country. No, it's. But it's a question of the whole system. The system that led to you being here and making this movie. Question by making it are you playing I mean are you trying to solve the issue or are you getting fooled yourself I don't know it's questions what I hope I can do is um, create a little tiny bit of awareness in western audiences good start but then if you don't scratch deep and then you attack the Then you create awareness, and then what? People come rushing, thinking the problem is here, but actually the problem is not here. The problem is on a system that is trying to be imposed here. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm like, let's see. You see, I'm. Um, let 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 let's see the end of. Let's see the end results. Gasore, piga. Every day as I walk the streets here in Austin, you know, I see what fiat debt slavery has done to my city, to my people, to my neighborhood, to my home. The countless number of homeless people who beg daily on the street corner for food, for money, for their life. As a Bitcoiner, I see this every day. And because of that, you know, I wanted to stray away from the Western perceptions and completely focus on the Congolese experience and their everyday reality. But it was so difficult And, and it was hard to grasp or even comprehend. And, and I'm a first-generation Mexican-American, and I can understand a certain type of poverty, but nothing of this magnitude, nowhere even close, right? You know, so throughout this journey, I have learned about the area and its people from independent podcasters and journalists who are on the ground covering these stories that are in the area day in and day out. You know, to say that the Congolese people and its nation are exploited is a huge understatement. Throughout history, the perception of the Democratic Republic of the Congo has been highly influenced by Western media, which comes with its own Western privilege. 
They have shown us through rose-tinted lenses how they want the region portrayed and seen by the world. Let me start off by telling you, go watch this film called Stop Filming Us. You have to see this documentary. It dives into the cinematic dialogue between Western perceptions and the Congolese experience and their reality. You have to, you have to see this film. It, it'll, it'll explain a lot. It, 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 it'll, it'll really tell you what Westerners really do when they just want to focus on the destruction and the many misconceptions of the region. It's a great documentary and I highly recommend it. With all of that, with that kind of, you know, kind of prelogue to everything, let's dive into what this main story is really about. And that's Tesla's cobalt child mining camps here on the front line. The front line. Elon Musk is a tyrant in the region of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Let me repeat, Elon Musk is a tyrant. Now, is Elon any different than someone like Cecil Rhodes? Rhodes was a politician in South Africa and served as a prime minister of the Cape Colony from 1890 to 1896. Rhodes, as his British South Africa company founded, the Southern Africa Territory, Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe and Zambia, and South Africa's Rhodes University was also named after him. However, one of the disgusting things Rhodes did was to use his political power to expropriate land from Black Africans through the Glenn Gray Act, while also tripling the wealth requirement for voting under the Franchise and Ballot Act, effectively barring black people from taking part in elections. Oh yeah, Rhodes also exploited the mines. It is no wonder why Elon Musk is going after cobalt ore. The DRC is the world's largest producer of it. And he knows just like Rhodes did that abusing political power in this region effectively works. Now, by far the largest mines in the DRC are located in the Southern Katanga province formerly Shaba, and are highly mechanized. A capacity of several million tons per year of copper and cobalt ore, refining capability for metal ore, and with over $24 trillion of fiat wealth under the ground. So who are these thieves that are raping this region and leaving the Congolese people with nothing? Take one guess. While most Congolese people live on less than 72 cents per day, the top 1%, i.e. Elon Musk, are making millions of fiat dollars on the backs of children in this region. Now, if you look at something like, I don't know, uh, Saudi Arabia <laughs> and its natural resource oil, we have very different results. Why is Saudi Arabia such a a beautiful area, <laughs> 
and, and, and very rich. You know, it's one of the most shameful acts Elon Musk has successfully hidden from the public is his contribution to the growing children cobalt ore mining camps. Children as young as eight years old. Yes, children are risking their lives every day while simultaneously being exposed to toxic dust and fearing that one day a tunnel will collapse in on them, essentially burying them alive just to continue the mining of cobalt ore for Tesla. Elon Musk is one of the biggest thieves of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. He is not just stealing and abusing the political powers of the Congolese people, but he is stunting and killing the youth of the region. Elon is effectively stunting the growth of Mother Africa. Now, these type of atrocities happen all the time here in Africa. It's, it's so reminiscent of Leopold II. He was the king of Belgium, and he did some of the most horrific uh, genocides in history. And, and this is so reminiscent of that. These people uh, doing these same exact things uh, to, to, to the natives in this land. Um, it, it's, it's so horrific. I, I just don't understand it. I, I can't comprehend it. These crimes against humanity are, are just appalling. And, and one of the only people that are out there really banging the drum and, and making a difference to all this is somebody by the name of Siddharth Kara. And he is the on-the-ground journalist reporting from the DRC. And, and, and this guy is amazing. He is a, he is a person who is a, a truly a hero uh, who, who doesn't wear a cape, but... When he, when he goes on to describe what he sees in the Congo, he, he calls it hell on earth. He literally calls the Congo hell on earth. The hard truth is 60% of the world's supply of cobalt ore comes from this region, comes from the Congo, and it's mined in horrific conditions, right? And, and you have massive environmental destructions, uh, you have child labor mines. You have the poorest of the poor. Uh, you have you have environmental concerns. You have all sorts of you know social issues here. Uh, clearly, there's all sorts of governance issues. It, it, it's clearly not meeting any of the ESG requirements. Let's go away for a while, you and I, to a strange and distant land Where they speak no word of truth, but we don't understand anyway Holiday, far away, to stay on a holiday, far away Let's go today, in a heartbeat Pack your bags or your man We won't need them where we're going We're going where the wind is blowing Not knowing where we're gonna stay All the day 
far away to stay on a holiday far away to stay on a holiday far away let's go today in a heartbeat I have been very focused on issues in cobalt mining in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. For your listeners who may not know, cobalt uh, is in our lives every day. It allows rechargeable batteries found in every single phone, tablet, laptop, and electric vehicle to, in fact, recharge. Those batteries would not recharge without cobalt. And the Democratic Republic of the Congo is source to 70% of the world's supply of cobalt. And it is mined in utterly horrific, devastating and subhuman conditions that involve mass environmental destruction, uh, grievous injury to thousands upon thousands of the poorest and most vulnerable people of the Congo, uh, as well as death through tunnel collapses, toxic exposure, uh, and even violence from military forces on the ground. It is, to be honest, the most extreme and sharp uh, example of modern slavery. And I say that because of all the sectors I've researched, cobalt mining the Congo has the widest asymmetry between the share of value at the top of the chain. And by that, I mean some of the biggest and most powerful and rich companies in the world that sell us phones, tablets, and cars, and, and the pennies that are sprinkled down to, to the bottom of the chain, and that too in conditions uh, of utter inhumanity. Uh, and, and that really is the essence of modern slavery. Uh, I have been traveling around uh, the world for uh, quite some time now, um, just over 20 years, in fact, to many countries to document conditions uh, under which individuals work in forced labor, child labor, um, modern slavery, uh, and to document thousands of such individuals directly to hear their voices uh, and description of the lives they live and the conditions under which they work, which needless to say are fraught with uh, hazard, coercion, uh, and subhuman, often hazardous and dangerous conditions. And the, the crucial element here is no country is immune and virtually no sector is immune. That's the astounding thing about slavery in the modern context. It's not just agriculture, construction, and trade work as it was centuries ago. It's everything. It's manufacturing. Uh, it's the commercial sex sector. Uh, it's mining. It's agriculture. Dozens of uh, uh, products in the agricultural sector, seafood. You can just go on uh, down the list 
uh, of the great industries across the global economy. And at the bottom of their various and variegated supply chains, you'll invariably find severe labor exploitation, and in the worst cases, slavery and child labor. And just for context, 70% of the world's supply of cobalt comes out of a fairly small patch of the Congo, a rectangle that's about 80 kilometers by 400 kilometers in the southeastern corner of the country, uh, if people want to look at a map, uh, right at the Zambian border. Uh, and yes, there are some large mining companies, all foreign big mining companies on the ground with excavators and tractors and haulers and so forth. Uh, uh, but 30 to 40% of the cobalt supply is mined by peasants by hand. That means little mallets, chisels, and shovel. Because of the geography of the, uh, uh, of the southeastern Congo, there's no other place in the world where this took place, mineral deposits were thrust upward. Uh, so they're available and accessible to shallow, at shallow depths. Um, uh, you don't have to dig a shaft a kilometer down to get to the deposits there. You can just dig a tunnel, maybe 20, 30 meters down. Uh, oftentimes, cobalt's right at the surface. So uh, peasants uh, and villagers uh, go into these informal areas uh, with hacks and picks and shovels. They dig out the deposits, many of which have radioactive uranium in them. So there's vicious toxic exposure there, radioactive exposure. Uh, cobalt itself is toxic, using their hands, breathing the dust. They have no PPE of any kind. Um, uh, they fill up sacks of, uh, of, of stones that contain cobalt. Uh, and then it flows to this informal marketplace and then into the formal supply chain. So there's this layer of informality of traders and, and buying houses in between the child labor and the peasant labor and the forced labor and the big flashy mining companies and consumer tech companies. If you go into these areas where there's artisanal mining, and don't be fooled by the, by the word, there's nothing quaint and artisanal about it. You are transported back centuries to a time when mining involved brute interaction with the earth, digging of tunnels, being covered in dirt and filth. And in the worst cases, because it is so low tech, these tunnels that the, that the villagers dig to get to the deposits, they don't have supports and beams and things like that. So they collapse. They collapse all the time. And anyone who's down there and everyone who's down there is buried alive. And that, that's the cost of, our, uh, of recharging our batteries. You know, artisanal mines have a very distinctive appearance from above. It has the appearance of people who have just been digging up the earth, almost kind of like a lunar craterous appearance. And so what the idea we had is the next time I went down there, I took these uh, GPS units and I tagged a fairly random sample of these artisanal sites spread across that sort of geofenced area in the southeastern provinces. Uh, so there's the crater lunar surface digging, and then there's tunnel digging, which again, from above, looks like a sort of one meter diameter hole in the ground. And that's sort of what you see from above. And, and then you can see hundreds and hundreds of them all next to each other. But what you can't see on the ground is everything. There's remote sites in hills and mountains that, that are very difficult to get to. Uh, and it's impossible to cover the universe of such sites. But from above with the satellite technology, uh, you can do that. With a sufficient sample of, of geotagged sites, our colleagues at the Wrights Lab were able to run some software that allowed the algorithm to recognize other sites just like that within this south, uh, rectangle in the southeastern Congo to create the first sort of map of the known universe of artisanal mining. And the last thing I'll say on that, which is fascinating, is 
if you time lapse it, look at look at the same rectangle ten years ago, and then look at it today, you can also see the amount of environmental devastation that has taken place in digging up not just the artisanal mines, but especially the industrial operations, because they just explode in in tens of square miles in size, which means deforestation. Um, uh, and that can be quantified, and that's something we'll be working on. We can't forget that. The, the global north has been enslaving, pillaging, trafficking, exploiting the global south for centuries. They went down into Africa, moved people from there, schlepped them across oceans and enslaved them. Then they colonized the continent. And it was all about extracting cheap labor resources to enrich the global north. Uh, and it may not be nation states anymore. It's now their children and grandchildren, multinational corporations. But it's the same process of of pillaging resources, uh, exploiting labor, and, uh, and amassing and extracting massive amounts of value into the hands uh, uh, of the northern uh, uh, half of the planet. Uh, and and that's, that's the thing we're working on. And so what will it take to end that story? I mean, we're seeing that now on the streets, right? It took George Floyd being lynched by the knee of a white police officer to get tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people around the world saying, enough. And you saw in England, the statues of slave traders being yanked down and tossed into rivers. And the same across, across Europe. I think there's a reckoning happening. And I think this generation coming up now will be the one to compel change. I do have that hope so that this this nearly endless repeated history chapter after chapter of the pillage and, and and rapine of the global south being perpetuated by the economic and political interests of the north uh, can finally be put to rest and some some decency and fairness and equity for the people south of the tropic of Cap capricorn can finally be achieved it all works Tell me now. 
You know, a story like this can, can leave you paralyzed, right? Can leave you feeling down. You know, some justice was served. Tesla was sued in December 2019 here in a U.S. district court um, because they were knowingly benefiting from children mining at sites owned by Glencore, who is their preferred miner of choice. Now, the claim is that Glencore has denied that they knew of such children mining. But the truth is, if you go on Glencore's website, and of course we've done the research, you can clearly see that they have a statement that says they're against modern slavery. And they even have done a 33-page PDF. And 32 pages of that goes into detail of how they are ESG compliant. They're going to reduce net zero total emissions and they're going to stop child slavery by 2050, no matter what. They're serious. They really want to stop all cobalt child mining camps. This is what they want to do. But then on page 33, they literally say the following. And I quote, Neither Glencore nor any of its associates or directors, officers, or advisors provides any representation, assurance, or guarantee that the occurrence of the events expressed or implied in any forward-looking statements in this document will actually occur. <laughs> you are cautioned not to place under reliance on these forward-looking statements, which only speak as of the date of this document, except as required by applicable regulations or by law. Glencore is not under any obligation and Glencore and its affiliates express disclaim any intention, obligation, or undertaking to update any or advise, revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. This document shall not, under any circumstances, create any implication that there has been no change in the business or affairs of Glencore since the date of this document, or that the information contained herein is correct as at any time subsequent to its date. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious because this PDF doesn't mean anything. It is just 32 pages of bullshit with the caveat that this notice is null and void of everything you just read. It's straight PR bullshit. And yet still, Tesla can continue targeting child mining camps because Glencore has just literally said <laughs> that it's they're not it's null and void way to go that's what i'm telling you these corporations these central banks they're straight up fucking gangster bro they're fucking gangster as fuck they're gangster as fuck bro they don't give a fuck they hide in plain sight right on their fucking website bro it's fucking sad. It's fucking sad. Yes, this world is a fucked up place. This is true. You know, there are some of us that can make a change for the better or can at least attempt to demand change. Right now, what we are seeing in the DRC is an imbalance of power from the top of the supply chain through all the complexity that comes with this region and the lack of state regulation, Elon is still refusing to take on the problem headfirst. Responsibility must come from the top, 
ladies and gentlemen. Responsibility must come from the top. <laughs> Responsibility must come from the top, ladies and gentlemen. I definitely know my place in this order, which is why I'm sounding the fucking alarm. But does Elon Musk know his place in this order? Some people will say, well, Carr, you shouldn't expect Elon to destroy or take on the Western system or even chop the fucking branch for which he sits on, bro. What the fuck are you trying to say? You're absolutely right. But I expect him to create a new system and put a strategy in place to fix this atrocity. What if that was your fucking kid? <laughs> you know, what if that was your fucking kid? Mining fucking cobalt ore. Let's be honest. He has a tremendous amount of fucking resources at his disposal. Right? What a coincidence. He also happens to own a fucking tunneling company, ladies and gentlemen, named Boring Company. Honestly, what more could he need to be the change we want to see in the fucking world? Give me a fucking break. Let's roll Bitcoin Hot Topics. I should also mention we have like a uh, it's like 2,000 2,500 word article on this whole Tesla mining cobalt children camps uh, at Thriller Premium dot blog so check it out links will be in the show notes or just go to thrillerpremium.blog and read it it, it goes really in depth I, I left out so much i left out so much ladies and gentlemen it, it, it even goes into like what type of batteries they use why cobalt is needed um it goes into like how the trading works and, and the artisanal mining and, and all of that so make sure to check it out and please share it like share it to your friends, share it to your family members, share it to everybody. I mean, we need to put this motherfucker on blast, man. I mean, there's too many Tesla Model X's <laughs> equipped with children mine cobalt batteries that people enjoy. Like they need to fix that, man. Like seriously. Okay, let's get into the Bitcoin news. So it looks like Bitcoin whales are starting to accumulate. That's right. This is coming from Trust Notes. Bitcoin whales defined as addresses that hold between 1,000 to 10,000 uh, BTC uh, are now increasing their holdings, according to blockchain analytics. While Bitcoin's price was rising to 30,000, Bitcoin whales were holding or accumulating, says an analysis by Econometrics. After 30,000, however, they began selling all the way to 64,000, as shown above, and kept selling down to 30,000. Wow. But now they stopped selling and have begun increasing their holdings for the first time in five months. That's pretty interesting, if I must say. Bank of America approves Bitcoin futures trading for some clients, according to sources. This is coming from Coindesk. Bank of America, the second largest bank in the U.S., has approved the trading of Bitcoin, kind of. But the futures are here to stay, it looks like, according to two people with knowledge. And you know what? I would say like Coindesk is when it comes to their sources, they're pretty fucking right on. And this is Will Canny and Tenzil Okta. I know Tenzil, she's 
pretty damn good at her job. <laughs> She's like one of the few people over there at Coindesk that is really good at her job. Okay, so like most institutions, the bank has been conservative in its approach to the crypto sector, but due to large amount of margin required to trade the futures, it is now allowing some clients to access this market. One of the sources said that some clients are setting up to trade Bitcoin futures, which are cash settled, and one or two have already gone live. Uh, that's according to a source. That's pretty interesting. I wonder what they're getting ready for. Is it that August pump everybody's been talking about? Maybe. Um, so it looks like the city of Jackson, Tennessee, is considering accepting property tax payments in the form of Bitcoin. And this is coming from the Jackson mayor, Scott Conger. He went on Twitter here in July and he said, our blockchain task force. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord, he's new. Uh, is looking into how the city of Jackson, Tennessee can accept property tax payments in Bitcoin and allow our employees to dollar cost average in Bitcoin. Oh, that's cool. Uh, he announced the creation of the blockchain task force in April. And uh, he's saying that the, the guy or actually the Miami mayor, Frances Suarez, was the one who convinced him. Uh, he says, Suarez really got me interested in how cities can adapt and advance using Bitcoin and blockchain technology. I started talking with people locally and it really hit home once Aaron Inglis pointed out the price of lumber in dollars and massive inflation versus the price in sats. Lumber is actually cheaper if you look at it through the lens of sats. Man, looks like he got orange pilled. Whoever orange pilled him, way to go. It uh, looks like PayPal is upping its limit on Bitcoin purchases to 100,000 per week. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, there's a lot of PayPal users out there and 20,000 just wasn't enough. And then it also looks like Jack Dorsey is announcing a Bitcoin focused business division at Square. So Jack has been doing some interesting stuff ever since Bitcoin conference uh, 2021. In a tweet, Dorsey wrote that the new service will be a subset of Square alongside the music service title. I don't know what the hell seller is and cash app. It will facilitate a non-custodial, permissionless, and decentralized financial service with a focus on Bitcoin. Mike Brock, an executive at Square, will lead the division. Now, we know Jack Dorsey is a longtime proponent of Bitcoin, but um, he said that he will be working closely with Mike on this kind of business idea. And they also confirmed plans for a hardware wallet for Bitcoin, essentially a physical drive that lets you store Bitcoin offline. I can't wait to see what they're doing, man. And then also we have the B word coming up. Um, I still haven't got the punch in for that. I don't know if they're going to give me the, the go ahead to cover it, but hey, Kathy Wood, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, come on. I need, I need to get the punch in to cover that. What the hell? <laughs> well, after this episode, she's probably not going to let me come in because she owns a lot of uh, Tesla stock. <laughs> Capital Group Division buys 12% of stake in Bitcoin heavy microstrategy. Uh, so it looks like it's a 2.2 trillion asset manager. That's what Capital Group Division is. They bought a stake in microstrategy. Wow. And so that's a 12.2% stake. And that is one of the biggest investment organizations in the world. So they have indirect, and that's indirect, ladies and gentlemen, exposure into Bitcoin. 
And I really think, and, I, and I've been saying this for the longest time, even you, you can go back, let's start episodes last year because um, they're open to the public now. But um, I've been saying this. I think as time goes forward ahead, um, MicroStrategy is creating a war chest, man. Um, and if these if these companies aren't buying Bitcoin right now, they're going to be out of business. Like, and that's just the hard truth. They're going to be out of business. You know, if Apple, Microsoft, Google, you know, they don't start buying Bitcoin, they're going to be up for sale here pretty soon once the dollar collapses. And that's just the truth, man. That's just the truth. You can only keep buying your stock <laughs> over and over and over and over again. But at some point, MicroStrategy is just going to buy you all up. I'm serious. When we look back in history, Sailor is going to look like a freaking genius. I'm telling you. He's, he's literally changing the game when it comes to how corporate strategies hold and balance their books. I'm serious. Okay. So just have a couple announcements. Um, we're working on a new website. Uh, we're still going to have Thriller Premium. Thriller Premium is not going anywhere. We're working on a new website called Thriller Bitcoin. It's not live yet, so don't go there. <laughs> You'll probably get like, you know, construction not up or something. But we're working on that. We're basically trying to do is put all our articles, put all our podcasts there. Just kind of build it from the ground up the way it should be. Um, so look for that to drop. Hopefully, hopefully soon. I'm, I'm trying to get it here done in the next two weeks, but um, maybe by the end of August. And then also, we're going to be at Bitblock Boom. So look for us there. Should be fun. Another thing, go to Thriller Rating, thrillerrating.com. It'll be here in the show notes. And leave us a comment or a review for iTunes. Um, that really helps us a lot, believe it or not. That's algorithms and all types of crap. And then also, thank you guys for listening. I mean, we're a completely independent podcast. We're entirely funded by donations and people who want to support Thriller. And uh, we appreciate you and we defend and hold the line for Bitcoin. That's what we do. See you next time. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. So this episode was in direct response to Elon Musk and his attack on Bitcoin earlier this year. I feel that it's necessary for when people and corporations and individuals attack Bitcoin, that Bitcoin attacks back. And we are like a hive mind. And when people attack Bitcoin, corporations attack Bitcoin, you best believe we're going to hit you back where it hurts. So...
Bitcoin won. Elon Musk won. 